Springheel Jack is an entity in English folklore of the Victorian era. The first claimed sighting of Springheel Jack was in 1837. Later sightings were reported all over the United Kingdom and were especially prevalent in suburban London, the Midlands and Scotland. There are many theories about the nature and identity of Springheel Jack. This urban legend was very popular in its time due to the tales of his bizarre appearance and ability to make extraordinary leaps to the point that he became the topic of several works of fiction. Springhill Jack was described by people who claimed to have seen him as having a terrifying and frightful appearance with diabolical physiognomy, clawed hands and eyes that resembled red balls of fire. One report claimed that beneath a black coat he wore a helmet and a tight-fitting white garment like an oilskin. Many stories also mention a devil-like aspect. Others said that he was tall and thin with the appearance of a gentleman. Several reports mentioned that he could breathe out blue and white flames and that he wore sharp metallic claws at his fingertips. At least two people claimed that he was able to speak comprehensible English. In the early 19th century, there were reports of ghosts that stalked the streets of London. These human-like figures were described as pale. It was believed that they stalked and preyed on lone pedestrians. The stories told of these figures formed part of a distinct ghost tradition in London, which some writers have argued formed the foundation of the later legend of Springheeled Jack. The most important of these entities was the Hammersmith ghost, which in 1803 and 1804 was reported in Hammersmith on the western fringes of London. It would later reappear in 1824. Another apparition, the Southampton ghost, was also reported as assaulting individuals in the night. This particular spirit bore many of the characteristics of Springhill Jack and was reported as jumping over houses and being over 10 feet tall. The first alleged sightings of Springheel Jack were made in London in 1837 and the last reported sighting is said in most of the secondary literature to have been made in Liverpool in 1904. According to much later accounts in October 1837, a girl by the name of Mary Stevens was walking to Lavender Hill where she was working as a servant after visiting her parents in Battersea. On her way through Clapham Common, a strange figure leapt at her from a dark alley. After immobilising her with a tight grip of his arms, he began to kiss her face while ripping her clothes and touching her flesh with his claws, which were, according to her deposition, cold and clammy as those of a corpse. In panic, the girl screamed, making the attacker quickly flee from the scene. The commotion brought several residents who immediately launched a search for the aggressor, but he could not be found. The next day, the leaping character is said to have chosen a very different victim near Mary Stevens's home, inaugurating a method that would reappear in later reports. He jumped in the way of a passing carriage, causing the coachman to lose control, crash and severely injure himself. Several witnesses claimed that he escaped by jumping over a nine foot high wall while cackling in a high pitched ringing laughter. Gradually, the news of the strange character spread, and soon the press and the public gave him the name Springheeled Jack. A few months after these first sightings, on 9th January 1838, the Lord Mayor of London, Sir John Cowan, revealed at a public session held in Mansion House an anonymous complaint that he had received several days earlier, which he had withheld in the hope of obtaining further information. 
The correspondent who signed the letter, a resident of Peckham, wrote, It appears that some individuals of, as the writer believes, the highest ranks of life, have laid a wager with a mischievous and foolhardy companion that he durst not take upon himself the task of visiting many of the villages near London in three different disguises, a ghost, a bear, and a devil, and moreover, that he will not enter a gentleman's garden for the purpose of alarming the inmates of the house. The wager has, however, been accepted, and the unmanly villain has succeeded in depriving seven ladies of their senses, two of whom are not likely to recover, but to become burdens to their families. At one house, the man rang the bell, and on the servant coming to open the door, this worse than brute stood in no less dreadful figure than a spectre clad most perfectly. The consequence was that the poor girl immediately swooned and has never from that moment been in her senses. The affair has now been going on for some time and strange to say the papers are still silent on the subject. The writer has reason to believe that they have the whole history at their finger ends but through interested motives are induced to remain silent. Though the Lord Mayor seemed fairly sceptical, a member of the audience confirmed that the servant girls about Kensington, Hammersmith and Ealing tell dreadful stories of this ghost or devil. The matter was reported in the Times on 9th January, other national papers on 10th January and on the day after, the Lord Mayor showed a crowd gathering a pile of letters from various places in and around London complaining of similar wicked pranks. The quantity of letters that poured into the mansion house suggests that the stories were widespread in suburban London. One writer said several young women in Hammersmith had been frightened into dangerous fits and some were severely wounded by a sort of claws the miscreant wore in his hands. Another correspondent claimed that in Stockwell, Brixton, Camberwell and Vauxhall several people had died of fright and others had had fits. Meanwhile, another reported that the, strict, that the trickster had been repeatedly seen in Lewisham and Blackheath. The Lord Mayor himself was in two minds about the affair. He thought the greatest exaggerations had been made and it was quite impossible that the ghost performs the feats of a devil upon earth. But on the other hand, someone he trusted had told him of a servant girl at Forest Hill who had been scared into fits by a figure in a bear's skin. He was confident the person or persons involved in this pantomime display would be caught and punished. The police were instructed to search for the individual responsible and rewards were offered. A peculiar report from the Brighton Gazette which appeared in the 14th April 1838 edition of the Times related how a gardener in Rose Hill, Sussex had been terrified by a creature of an unknown nature. The Times wrote that Springhill Jack has, it seems, found his way to the Sussex coast, even though the report bore little resemblance to other accounts of Jack. The incident occurred on 13th April when it appeared to a gardener in the shape of a bear or some other four-footed animal. Having attracted the gardener's attention by a growl, it then climbed onto the garden wall and ran along it on all fours before jumping down and chasing the gardener for some time. After terrifying the gardener, the apparition scaled the wall and made its exit. Perhaps the best known of the alleged incidents involving Springhill Jack were the attacks on two teenage girls, Lucy Scales and Jane Alsop. The Alsop report was widely covered by the newspapers, including a piece in the Times, while fewer reports appeared in relation to the attack on Scales. 
the press coverage of these two attacks helped raise the profile of Spring Hill Jack. Jane Alsop reported that on the night, night of 19th February 1838, she answered the door of her father's house to a man claiming to be a police officer who told her to bring a light, claiming, we have caught Spring Hill Jack here in the lane. She brought the person a candle and noticed he wore a large cloak. The moment she handed him the candle, however, he threw off the cloak and presented a most hideous and frightful appearance, vomiting blue and white flame from his mouth while his eyes resembled red balls of fire. Miss Alsop reported that he wore a large helmet and that his clothing, which appeared to be very tight-fitting, resembled white oilskin. Without saying a word, he caught hold of her and began tearing her gown with his claws, which she was certain were of some metallic substance. She screamed for help and managed to get away from him and ran towards the house. He caught her on the steps and tore her neck and arms with her claws. She was rescued by one of her sisters, after which the assailant fled. If you like that, then listen to our main show every Wednesday on all good podcast providers. It's Alive Alive, the really, really fake true crime horror podcast. All the guts and gore, none of the guilt. See you on Wednesdays.